Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Jim and Sam Town Square. We have an incredibly special episode for you guys today. I'm Scott King. Jim and Sam fans know me from the Forbes articles I've written about the guys. And I'm joined, as always, by multi-Emmy award-winning television producer, Chris Cangilla. Chris, we got our guy. We got the namesake of the show, basically, in Troy Kwan. He was incredible. He brought the town square to us, and and thankfully he was able to come in and, and join us in the town square. What a great time we had talking with Troy. You know, we got his origin story, both at Sirius as well as how he got to ONA. We learned a lot about the uh, past, you know, dynamic of working on ONA and then how it is working on Jim and Sam now. And a lot of stuff that's close to my heart. We talked music and his uh, his start in music and, and the, you know, the really just incredible uh, rise to success that Black Caviar has had. So it was it was a, such a good time. It was great. It was great. And we got a lot of, you know, kind of inside stuff for the the hardcore fans. We got some some NDT talk, Neil deGrasse Tyson, which was uh, amazing. And we really just learned more about him. I thought he was excellent. Absolutely. So in the town square, here's Troy Kwan. Joining us now in the town square, our first guest ever on the podcast, the one, the only Troy Kwan, senior producer for Jim and Sam and music producer for Black Caviar. Thanks so much for joining us, Troy. We appreciate it, man. Yes, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you asking me to, to join the podcast. We had to have you as the first guest because I, I don't know if you computed this, but there would be no town square without you, without you challenging Neil deGrasse Tyson's expertise. We would literally <laughs> would not have this name on the show. Well, the second I saw the podcast, I laughed. I mean, it's, it's I, I I got the reference obviously right away, and I was like, "That's I love the name of it. It's great." <laughs> so yeah, when, when Scott was telling about what what should we call the podcast, he goes, like, "I think I have an idea about the town square." I'm like, "Don't even say anything else. It's it's right on right on it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. You, you couldn't think of a better name. I love it." It's, hey, it's Troy, I wanted to ask you, how what's your origin story? Right? How did you get to be at Sirius? How did you get to be on on ONA? What's your path there, man? Well, I was in, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and um, I was just playing in bands and kind of not really sure what to do as a piercing artist for many, for almost 10 years in a, in a tattoo shop in um, uh, Kutztown, Pennsylvania, which is a little college town in Pennsylvania. And uh, um, I, just kind of got bored. I got really bored and um, I wasn't quite sure what to do with my life. And, you know, I was like probably, you know, mid twenties, 25, 26. And um, this is like right when satellite radio sort of started happening, you know, and it was pretty cool. It was like, wow, you know, uncensored music and no commercials. And then all of a sudden Howard went over to Sirius and I was a diehard Howard Stern fan for, I mean, since probably 1990, 91, somewhere in there. Um, and um, the ultimate goal was like, well, I want to go work for this company and work for Howard Stern, which was um, so that was kind of where I was at. And then um, so there was there's real no way to get in. I mean, you have to sort of like either have radio experience. Um, you know, this is about 2006. Um, you know, and I worked here and there at little radio stations in, in Pennsylvania, but it really wasn't anything, you know, they like major market uh, experience. And um, so I basically went to audio school in New York City and just got an internship. And then I just went, I just applied for an internship at Sirius. And then they, they basically hired me right out of my internship. 
um, which was cool. Is that primarily doing like audio production stuff or is that actually working in radio? Uh, it was like more audio production stuff. Like they, they would do um, like little jingles, like for, for the, 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 uh, the music channels. Um, and one of the, the head bosses uh, ran the coffee shop. And so um a coffee house excuse me so i i started doing jing they they weren't they didn't do any jingles on the coffee house so i designed some jingles for them and they were like oh this is really cool like we never thought of this idea and then i just got in with like a, some of the production guys and yeah i just i was fortunate to get to get hired uh right out of right out of school there so that's how it started and then so i was on the music side and then uh the merger with xm and sirius happened and O and A were coming over to the uh, Sirius building. Sorry, I'm in New York City. And my windows open. That's why you hear a siren here. So I apologize for that. Um, but uh, so yeah, so I, I had gotten. Uh, so they were coming over, and it was kind of like, hey, they're coming in here. Do you want to work with these guys and help them sort of get situated in 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 the system that they were using at Sirius? And I said, sure. So just kind of went from there. So. So a little, you're a little bit of a utility guy with with music, and then you got pulled to O and A. That that's pretty much how it worked out. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And I and I I sort of saw the writing on the wall with with music, the music channels. Like there was really, it was very kind of limited what you could do, and you know they sort of had their formula. Where with comedy, you know, you could sort of just you could make ridiculous songs, you know, and that was kind of you know like hooking up with Sam Roberts, you know, when he was a um a producer for uh ONA like we would just sit there and do funny audio bits and just make each other laugh and we chop up you know what people were saying and I'd flip it into a song or we'd flip it into a weird bit and it just it became fun like and it was just it was a fun that I really hadn't experienced at at Sirius so um yeah I just kind of leaned into it and then when their um imaging producer left ONA I just kind of slid right in and then I did that with them for like the last, I don't know, maybe five years that it was ONA. Yeah. And then at each show, like when it was Opie and Jim, and then and then I went and did Sam's night show. He was doing a um a late night show for almost a year. And then uh um Jim and Sam started, and then I went went did that with them. So who was at ONA when you first started there? Um uh steve carlisi was still there you know obviously e-rock um hey danny ross uh let's see here obviously sam club soda kenny um you know that was that was kind of the the main crew um, you know troy in every success story we've heard and and things that i've experienced it's it's a relationship right i mean it, you're talking about you and sam kind of building this thing just to make each other laugh and stuff and it's kind of carried itself over to what you're doing now, you know, mm -hmm. even Sam's, you know, elevated role. It's the same, he's the same guy and it's the same relationship you guys have always had. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really was. And that's Sam was really the guy that kind of saved me from that because, you know, it was a pretty uh, dark work environment. Um, like if you've listened to ONA, you know, it was, it was real. I mean, they, they, there was real anger between them all. They hated management. They uh, management hated them, and they all took it out on the staff. Yeah. So it was a very strange, you know, it, you know, it was. It's like it was just toxic. But then you'd have in like Bill Burr, and it's the he's one of the greats, or Patrice O'Neill. You're like that's that's him. There's Patrice O'Neill right there, you know, like. So it was this weird thing, and then and then one of my favorite 
people of all time that helped me get through that part too is Club Soda Kenny. Um, he was just such an awesome guy to hang with. He was so funny. Like just the behind, the, there was a show going on b- with with Sam, Club Soda Kenny, and me while the main show was going on. It was just, <laughs> um, and those two are like, you know, two of my favorite people of all time. So Sure. And uh, I, I got to ask you this, and, and I might be taking this away from Scott, but it's such an important question to us. Where does the Quan come from your name? How does how did you get that name? Um, it came from I one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time is Wu Tang Clan, and uh, there's Raekwon the Chef, and um, so uh, one of my friends from back home, like I mean, I was obsessed with Wu Tang. I was just constantly listening, constantly rapping, and and just obsessed with what they were doing. Um, and one of my friends just started calling me Troy Kwan as like a like like Troy Kwan the chef. And um, then when social media started, I don't know why I just didn't want to use my real name. So I just put Troy Kwan as, as just kind of like because I didn't really know anybody with that name. I'd never heard that before. And then they, I thought you're Asian when I first, you know, when you first appeared on I'm like He's got it. Yeah. He's the Yeah. People think either Asian or I'm um, a black guy. And then they seem like, oh, it's just some, you know, white guy, which is, it seems like people are disappointed when they find out. But um, yeah. So it, it was just basically, and then they started calling me Troy Kwan on the air. Um, so that they thought that was my real name, you know, like ONA. So because they would only see my Twitter or, you know, whatever. So that's really how it started. And then I just kind of leaned into it. I was like, that's kind of a cool name. So it's different, you know. With those early days, was there, competition amongst the interns and producers to kind of like contribute and get attention from Opie Anthony and Jim. And did that feel like dark too? Like what was going on with the hosts? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was, there was, there was teams, you know, there's team Opie and there was team, uh, team Anthony. And, um, you know, it was like, you wanted to, you know, the, every, the, the, the producer wanted to make their guy happy, you know, and, snitch on the other guys when they saw something or something you know so it was like that's that's the way that that, you know at least when i got into it that's that's the way it was then um so there was this kind of like almost rivalry between the two hosts and the two hosts kind of had their teams you know and it was you know a little little strange but (laughs) whatever you know as tough as that environment was at times I, i uh complimented travis with this when i interviewed him for one of the forbes stories but you and he are so good at picking your spots when you contribute on air. Like anytime you guys talk, it's funny, interesting, it moves everything forward, it advances everything. Did you learn that in that environment? Like, you know, don't don't come in here or, or don't get on air unless you have something. Was that was that how trying was to be play? a star, right? You know, just yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you 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 go like uh, you know, in ONA, you'd want your airtime, you know, you want to get want to get on the air. So, you know, sometimes if you blurt something out. Like the show literally go, they all look at you and go, what did you just say? What was that? Let's talk about that. What? Let's talk about what you just said. And you have a couple of those experiences. You're like, well, I didn't really kind of organize my thoughts and I didn't have them together. I really shouldn't have said anything. Like so maybe, that happened. You know? Like maybe doing a, you know, drinking some Navaj water. That was probably something you would not want to. That, that, yes, that was, that was something that was like, uh, oh yeah, I would do that. Just, you know, talking smack, you know, but like, I was like, oh, I'm getting called out on this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh boy. And you know, when that happens, you know, I mean, at the time, I mean, the lockdowns happened, you know, but I probably would have had to drink it. You know, I was prepared, mentally prepared that this was something. Man of your because, word. If, 
if you you have to put your money where your mouth is. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to, if you say you're going to do it, you have to do it, or they're just going to just endlessly just rip on you for it forever. So it's just better to just handle it and just be have it, you know, be over. So for sure. With the new studio setup you guys have now, are you are you out of the line of fire from Jim's diet, or are you still does that still affect your your work? I I feel like it's like worse. I I don't know what it is. I it, it's like weird. Like it goes from Jim around the around the studio i'm like literally right behind sam so i don't you know i don't know why sometimes it gets to him but i I don't know i feel like i get the brunt of it i also feel like sometimes like those guys smell it and then they just they try to make me look like the jerk like right, right. Know, like well we don't smell we don't know what you're talking about but i think they smell it it's bad sometimes have to sh- have to with jim you know yeah. so there's been a lot of talk lately uh about edna faust we love her Mm-hmm. And uh, and smoking is that? Am I saying that right? Oh, okay. Smoking, smoking, which is kind of close to where you grew up a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I uh, I really want you guys to take this trip. I want you to do a field trip Damn. there. Do you guys think that's going to happen? You know, I'd love to. I'd love to. It's probably about three hours away from the city. So it is a haul. And Shemokin, like you know, when you start getting out into those, so like in Pennsylvania, like you go over the border through you know through New Jersey into like. Uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Allentown, Redding. Like I grew up in that area. And then you keep going. And, you know, like there are these coal mining towns that were booming at one time, you know, when they were mining coal, but they've just turned into these kind of wastelands. Um, there's like Frackville, like my my mother's from this town called Frackville. It's just lovely name. It's if you Google it, like it's just, it's just there's nothing. It's 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 almost sad. Yeah. Um, and Shemokin is kind of one of those those areas where it's just like you are in the middle of nowhere. So it's like you go there and it's like if I knew I was going to meet Edna, if I knew that was going to happen, I would make the drive. But to just go look at the Dunkin Donuts, I don't know. But maybe we'll do it one day. Maybe the amusement park around there, too, would be cool. That would be amazing. And Jim, Jim just went there. You guys, you know, it should be doable. And he drove by. Yeah, he like, drove by. Yeah, he went to he was going to Cleveland. He went through. Uh, yeah. Maybe his yeah. pretzels are still there, you know, <laughs> on the street. Yeah. It, I was going to say, it does seem like whenever Edna comes up, it does seem like you might be the biggest Edna fan. Is that, do you think that's true? It Yes, for multiple reasons. One, because of uh, Pennsylvania, just because I understand, like when I see Edna, I just get it. I understand her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're all, we're cut from the same cloth being from Pennsylvania. I, I was friends with a, a Faust. One of my friends from where I grew up was a Faust. Awesome. So, uh, so I'm sure there's some relation to Edna. So that kind of that kind of strikes you know strikes my heart a little bit, um, you know. And it just it's just it's you know it's just fun to like shout out these little Pennsylvania towns that nobody cares about, you know. And it's like I have some of my Pennsylvania friends like I can't believe you're, you're talking about Shemokin. I can't believe you're talking about Redding, you know, or you know, like I, I always try to like figure out ways to like. Isn't that fun when the guys that aren't in the business that you grew up with and stuff and, and they listen to the show or they know that something that you're doing kind of reach out to you and they're and it's really a big deal to you. It's like I'm just to them and you're just like, I'm just talking with my friends on the radio. You know, it's like it's really cool, I think. Yeah, just trying to fill time and just, you know, and your, yeah, and your friends reach out there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You you seem to when this came up before, you seem to have thought that Sam could have handled the CVS parking lot scammer differently. How would you have handled that situation? Well, before you answer that, can we do Troy 10 years ago and Troy currently? I, I love it. Would it be different it. in how you would handle it from 10 years ago? 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, I've mellowed out a lot. Um, Troy, 10 years ago, probably would have, I would have probably gotten into a screaming altercation with this guy, you know? And I probably would have like, wait, like I like I said, I, I would have probably, now I would probably, yeah, I'd probably wait for him and call him out. You know, like I, I wouldn't want any sort of like real altercation though. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to mess this guy's day up, but I would want my money back. That's for sure. I wouldn't let it slide like Sam yeah. did. I, you know, that's shame on him for doing that. But, you know, when you're in the moment, you're just kind of like, oh, do, do I feel like, do I, is this what I feel like dealing with today? But see, like I'm the kind of guy that's like, yeah, like this is what's, this is what we're, this is what we're going to do today. Like, yeah. This is going to be my, you know, he's got kids to deal with. I don't have kids. So I got to entertain yeah. myself some other yeah. way. You know? And along along those lines with Sam, you know, he has the, the crappy eating habits, right? Yeah. And and do they bother you as much as we think they bother you? I mean, I know he has chicken fingers and maybe doing some cast iron chicken, but you've eaten with the man. You go out a lot. Does it yeah. just make you sick? <laughs> I think I'm just it I'm just used to it. It's weird. He's he's a weird eater, you know, like and he he'll like the like a couple of weeks ago, like I uh, I decided to uh, bring in some Chick Fil A biscuits for breakfast for the guys, you know. So for the guys, Chick Fil A biscuit, and he just takes a bite and then he sets it down and lets it go for like thirty minutes. And he'll pick it up and he'll take another bite and then he'll set it down for another hour. And you're like, why do you eat like that? That's so strange, you know. Like so yeah. that alone with just like he has just like the palate of like a five year old, you know what I mean? So. But it is what it is. And, you know, like if you were to come visit me in Florida, you just know, like, we just got to go to, we got to go to Hooters. That's where we go, you know, <laughs> like you or get some, some chicken, right? Yeah, grocery store. You Let me ask you this. I'm ahead, sorry. Talk. No, it's, it's hard in these Zoom situations. We talk over each other, but, you know, I've been a fat piggy boy like Jim has, and I try to lose weight. How do you stay in shape when you have your lovely fiance as an incredible chef and a baker and making these wonderful treats? Do you just have to take a bite and not finish stuff? Or do you just have to just, how do you do it? It's hard, man. It's hard. And I, I got really fat during the pandemic. I probably gained, I probably put on 45 pounds yeah. uh, during lockdowns. And I, 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 I said to myself this year, New Year's resolution, I am dropping this weight. I mean, I really, I, what I have to do is I have like a counter. I have like a, I have the aura ring. So I, I can, I can count my steps. So I got to just make sure I get like 20,000 steps in a day. I put in sometimes two workouts. I do a boxing workout. I do a yoga workout. It's just, and I just, and I have to, I do like uh, intermittent fasting, you know, just like as far as like, I try to stop eating at like, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And then I don't eat till seven o'clock the next morning. What's your favorite so treat I, that she makes? My fiance? Yeah. Oh, favorite dessert. Every, every, oh, everything. Everything. Yeah. She, she does savory food too. That's just incredible. I mean, she's, she's the best food I've ever eaten in my life. So Good. I know it'd be hard for me. I, it's just, really hard. Yeah, absolutely. And she makes fagua, right? I think I said it right. Fagua. Yeah. Yeah, she does. <laughs> well, she, she gets it. She doesn't, she doesn't make it, but oh, right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. she'll, she'll do an event and then she'll, she'll have some, and then we feed, the, we give some to the cat. And so Mr. Toots. Somewhere. I don't know where. He, oh yeah. Know. Mr. Toots. Yeah. Ba back to uh, Sam's eating real quick. So you guys turned me on to raising canes. There's actually one like not far from me. So I get it once a month at least love raising canes. But my, my, what I find weird about Sam's eating is that he's a connoisseur of every fast food place. Yeah. He only gets nuggies or chicken feet. Like every, most of these places are known for burgers. I know. And he's like, he's never had one. Right. I think he had a burger in his um... YouTube show. His YouTube show. Here's yeah. Toots. Here's Toots saying hi. There he is. That's um, the thing for me. There he is. What a great um, face. 
Yeah, I don't know why I, he just and he didn't like the burger, you know. And you're like, why? You know, like I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. We're either. not making you responsible for it. We just are no, curious ourselves. We're just we're theorizing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, he might have witnessed something terrible while having a McDonald's burger. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know what I don't know why he doesn't want to expand his palate. I think some people have like a problem, like where they taste things differently than other people. It's a texture so, thing or something like that, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't like spaghetti. I mean, that just blows my mind. I mean, what do you mean you don't like spaghetti? You're like, right. like, how is that even possible? But, you know, so I mean, let me pivot. Like sushi, like, you know, if people yeah. like I don't like sushi. It's it's raw fish. Like I love sushi. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can see why people would say that. But yeah, like a burger or something, man. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much I won't eat. Let yeah. me pivot a little bit because I'm a musician. I know you are. I, I just, we don't hear enough about how that came about too. So, you know, you're an incredible DJ and you, and you play a ton of instruments. I want to know what instruments are your instruments, which ones, I know you program a lot of stuff, but what, what did you grow up playing? Did you, did you get training? Do you play by ear? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would call myself, I wouldn't call myself a professional musician. I, 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 I basically started with drums. I really like the drums a lot. I, I don't haven't had a drum set in a while just because there's just no room here. Um, you know, living in the city. Um, and so I, I drums, bass, I like bass guitar a lot. And I'm, I'm working on a new project, uh, Prince Street Bodega, where I'm playing bass in that. Um, so those are really like the two main instruments, you know, some other stuff I can mess around a little, little bit, but it's not, it's, I'm not that, I'm not that proficient. I'm not a proficient musician. I just, I'm more so just like, you know, messing around. And then when something sounds good, I just kind of roll with it, you know? So sure. can you tell me a little bit of too, how, uh, black caviar came about and the origins of that with Jared and all? Sure. Yeah. Well, so basically, um, uh, my partner, Jared is from Reading, Pennsylvania, and um when we were growing up we he played in different hardcore and metal bands i played in different hardcore metal bands um and then we we were just stayed friends we were always really good friends then he moved to the city here and he got a job at republic records and i was working at sirius xm and um we were like oh let's start a band so kind of weren't sure what to do and this is kind of when spotify started happening so it was like basically like the way i grew up is like you know you you would make a demo tape and you'd go to a show and you'd hand out your demo to people and you'd hope that they'd come see you play or you hope they'd buy your record but then when spotify came around it was like oh you could just upload your music to spotify and then you can get paid royalties and apple music and stuff so we're like let's just make fun music and just put it up there with no expectations and then it actually started working, which was a little crazy, you know, where people were actually started enjoying it and listening to it. And um, then when we were signed to Republic, he the 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 um, they were looking for music for the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie. So just kind of just for fun, we took a stab at it and they it worked. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know how that happens. It's one of those like miracles. Um, I can tell you how it happened. It's an incredible track. And I got to tell you, this is the weirdest thing because What's Up Danger came out. My son loved it. We went and saw, my son was, what was that about maybe seven years ago? I'm trying to figure uh, out. Uh, what's a little, less, uh, little less? 19. Okay. Okay. So he's he was in uh, 18, excuse me, I think late 20. high school years yeah. and, and we went and saw the movie and loved the, the track. And I <laughs> found out that you guys did it. So this is a hard part for me. I'm going, I'm telling my son, Cal, Cal my friend well he's not my friend he's a guy that i listen to that's on this radio show and he's a producer i mean i'm trying to explain 
our relationship that we don't have. <laughs> I was like, I kind of know this guy, but that was it was such a great track and and just congratulations. And then like we all do, I dive back into your, you know, your repertoire and, and go through all the other tracks on there. It's like, it's good, but it's such a departure from you being heavy metal, you know, band guys. It's it's ED, is it electronic dance music? What would you call it? Yeah, well, that, that song Coffee. in particular is more like I would say like hip hop, almost like yeah. theatrical. Has like a theatrical feeling to it. Um, but that's a departure from what you and, and Jared were doing back in the day, right? Yeah. Well, it, it's it, you know it's hard to play. It, there's really no money to be made in. I mean, unless you're you know like a touring band. Even those guys. I mean, some of these touring metal bands. I mean, they're not making that much money. Um, and it's just so much easier to like hang out with your buddy in your apartment you know just and just make make funny beat you know make beats like that's what we were basically doing you know and and then that 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 song in particular was just it was so strange because it was like there was no they were so vague with what it was the spider-man movie and oh yeah post malone's gonna have a song in it and whatever and here here team up with this guy and work on this and you know we worked on you know what's up danger we came up with an idea for it and then months go by and we don't hear anything we're like oh i guess something i guess they moved, they picked somebody else. Like, and then they said basically, like, oh, we're gonna use your song. We need another part. And then they show us this like pencil sketch of like the, you know, the scene that it's in. And it was so bad. It was a pencil sketch. Like, we didn't we thought it was the movie. And we're like, this movie is terrible. This is so bad. <laughs> it's like one of the biggest movies. I don't want my song in that movie. Yeah, we were just and we're just like, whatever, here it is. Here it is. And we, you know, we finished the song, and then we don't hear anything again for months. And then it was literally like, hey, we're, they're using the song. It's going to be in the main part, the biggest part of the movie. And it's going to be in a McDonald's commercial. It's going to be in an eBay commercial. It was literally like, oh, oh, OK, I guess this is happening. Um, and that song was like a little bit of a blessing and a curse to us just because we were doing like kind of more house music. And then that comes along and that's like our biggest song. And that's not the sound that we had. <laughs> so, right. So it's like, what can we do? Pop wise versus a house music wise. Before I turn it back over to Scott, because I could just talk to you about music all day long, I need to know, just for me, what's your division of labor? What? How do you guys write together? How do you guys pre perform? What do you? What what parts are yours? What parts are Jared's? How do you? Or does it vary from song to song? It really varies. Um, things changed really from from the pandemic on, unfortunately. Um, because he had moved back to Pennsylvania, he, him, and his wife had a baby. They're they're expecting their their second baby, um, and it was kind of like, I'm gonna live in Pennsylvania now, where we we just couldn't get together anymore and and sit in the same room. So we we still occasionally do, but it's more like a Zoom thing. Um, so you know, in a way, is it kind of lost some of the the fun of like goofing around, started, right? Getting a sandwich and coming back and making music. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of evolved a little bit, but it really depends. I mean, it comes, you know, it starts with anything like I hear a song and I'm like, Hey, Jared, check this song out. And he's like, okay, let me work on a beat. Or I can say like, Hey, I got this vocalist wants to work with us. Let's, you know, they sent us this vocal, let's chop this up. And so it really is, it, each song is almost the different, completely different of how it, it kind of comes about. So it's not like working with Sandy Kane and creating a new theme song. It's okay, actually great. working with professional. Last one before I turn it back over to Scott, of course. Tell us a little bit about Prince Street Bodega. How is it different from uh Black Caviar and and what's going on there? 
Yeah, so Prince Street Bodega started um, basically during the pandemic. Um, I um, I hooked up with this amazing vocalist uh, named Ryan S from Dublin, Ireland, um, and he we did a couple uh, Black Caviar songs together. We did two Black Caviar songs, and he's like, "I want to, you know, I have demos. I have so many demos," and I'm like, "Well, let me hear them." And he sends me these songs, and they're just so incredible. I mean, just a vocal and like a real s- scratch track, you know, music. And they're just they're, they're strong hooks and just just so much like even just the song, you know, um, like what he's singing about is so deep of just, you know, finding himself and going through, uh, uh, you know, dealing with uh, alcoholism and coming out on the other side and and finding faith and, find you know, like real deep, deep songs. And I was just I mean, there was literally an album's worth of stuff. And I was like, this is incredible. Um, and I had moved to a new neighborhood here in New York City. And uh, one of my friends from uh, Nick from the Disco Fries, I was like, hey, you know, who, you know, do you know any producers around here or do you know any musicians? I'm just kind of looking to like just kind of collab with some of the people. And he's like, yeah, one of the guys that I represent actually lives, you know, in your neighborhood. Well, it turns out this guy, Domenico, was um, lives literally right across the street from me. Um, and he's this incredible, incredible musician. He could play every any instrument. I mean, he's just a real, real true mus- musician. So I was like, hey, man, I got these demos and stuff, you know, and, and this is, you know, things are still kind of locked down. And and um, we just started making demos and playing real instruments and actually playing the songs. And this is something I haven't done in so long. And uh, these songs just started coming together. And then it's like soon we had an album. And so we're like, OK, so we're starting to release those songs now. And now we have demos for a whole other album that we're going to start working on. So um, it, it's, just, it's a little bit more more uh, R&B or in less dance. What do you think? It's more like uh funk soul. Got it. Uh, like Sly and the Family Stone meets mm. little 70s influence, maybe too. Very 70s influenced, yeah. Um, real soulful, but then like you know, we'll we'll do some like like the last song we just put out, Higher With You. I mean, it sounds like it could be like a outcast beat, you know, with so it's like so there's a 90s hip hop influence in there with you know, um, but leaning more towards organic instrumentation. Yeah. Troy, you're talking about how different What's Up Danger is the sound like versus your guys other music with Black Caviar. And I, I remember I think it started on ONA where they started to play some of your music. And I remember Jim and Sam and I just love the sound so much. I downloaded everything that they would play on the show. I downloaded it would make it to my workout playlist. And when I was a uh uh blackhawks reporter sports reporter in chicago i do i'd be a talking head on these tv shows and i would start working in things from the show and i remember one of the times they're asking like why patrick kane or some players playing so well i go he's got the cocoa puffs and i say i said to say like i would work this stuff in and those lines and those beats were so good my question is what who were your guys major influences to to kind of impact your sound and the way you approach your music uh i'd probably say just like from a production wise it's like pharrell Timbaland, um, real rhythmic, you know, kind of uh, weird sounds, weird drums, big drums, big boomy drums, um, you know, definitely like the Beastie Boys, you know, just kind of with like that hip hop vibe. But uh, I would say like, yeah, like definitely like t- we would dissect Timbaland songs and just listen to, you know, specifically what's happening and how like minimal the drums are, you know, like sometimes it's literally nothing. And it's just like, man, how did he get these sounds so good? So it's, I'd probably say like if I had to narrow it down to like two producers, it'd be Pharrell and, and Timbaland for sure. Troy was great. That was 
awesome and we had so much fun with troy that it's not just going to be one part there is a part two because there was so much to cover with him and he was so great but thank you everybody for listening and watching and thank you chris yes yeah, scott thank you and, and thanks to troy he was so generous with his time that uh, like you said there's a part two coming up so everybody kind of look for part two of troy kwan in the town square Thanks for watching and listening to the Jim and Sam Town Square. Please remember to like and subscribe and turn on that notification bell, not Doug Bell, so you don't miss an episode. And if you're just listening to the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it.